Welcome back to Art Watch Podcast. I hope you've had a great week and a half. Um, thank you for being okay with me putting out my episode a little bit later. I had a family emergency to attend to and I wasn't actually able to record in the same manner that I would I normally do and edit and everything to make a pretty nice podcast episode. So I kind of like scrapped what I was doing before and um, yeah, kind of started over. But I am going to kind of tweak things a little bit. So last week was a little bit disorganized. I tried something new where I wasn't looking at notes and I was trying to make it more conversational. It did not work out very well. I felt like I was rambling a lot and probably confused the listener a lot. So what I'm going to try and do for this next one, it's going to be a two-part episode where I'm going to talk about the artist and kind of like what they have said about their work, what their work is like generally about, the materials they worked with, things like that. And then in the second episode, I'm going to do kind of like what were the receptions. And I actually had the pleasure of seeing an exhibition about this artist, a a retrospective, I should say. And I want to talk about that in in the next part. So I'm actually going to record these back to back and we'll see how it goes. If it doesn't work, feel free to let me know. And you can email me artwatchpodcast at gmail.com or you can dm me on instagram or twitter at artwatch podcast so yeah if it doesn't work just let me know or if you like this format better let me know too and with that being said it might be a little bit shorter of an episode because i just want to see how this works since it's a pretty new podcast i want to play around and, and see what works best but before i get into the actual artist i did want to provide a content slash trigger warning for those sensitive to the topic or like there's a mention of suicide and depression so if you are by any chance sensitive to that so just go ahead and you can stop listening now although i'm not i'm obviously not going to go into detail that's disrespectful but yeah so if you are sensitive go ahead and stop i'm going to give you three two one and now i'm going to jump in okay so today's artist that we're going to talk about is Belke Sayon. She is a she was a Cuban artist, and she was born in on January twenty third, which is actually today, uh, nineteen sixty seven, and she died September eleventh, nineteen ninety nine. Um, she like I said, she was a Cuban artist, and she actually began her arts training at a very young age, from elementary to high school. Um, from eight, 1982 to 1986, she attended the San Alejandro Academy in, in Havana, and it was the oldest and most prestigious engraving school in Cuba. Afterwards, she attended the Instituto Superior de Arte Havana, where she earned her BA in engraving, and upon graduation, she became a professor. Ayon had an impressive resume with artistic artist resin, residencies around the world, as well as many solo and group exhibitions around the world. And notably, in 1993, she exhibited at the Venice Biennale and won the international prize at the International Graphics Biennale in the Netherlands. And today, she still has her works traveling to high-profile museums. And I actually saw, like I said, her retrospective at one of the galleries here in Houston. So... Ayon is probably most known for her works that deal with figures from history and mythology of the Abakua. Um, and so that brings us to this next question. Who or what is Abakua? It's a secret society with roots believed to have been traced to Nigeria. 
and the society is one that only allows male membership. A member's oath of loyalty to the Abakua is taken by all new initiates, creating a lifelong pact of sacred kinship. Rhythmic dance music is important to the society's rituals and ceremonies. This pulls from African traditions of music and dance. There are also religious ties to multiple African spirits and practices. And because of this, the society, or because of uh, the secrecy, little is known about the Abakua language, um, and it's still practiced in Havana, uh, Haiti, Florida, and other Caribbean regions today. So, why was Ayon interested in this, and what does her portrayal of the Abakua society in her work look like, and why is it significant? in her work, given that she's a female and this is an all-male society, especially a very secret society. Um, so Ayon's work is primarily done in the printmaking technique of calligraphy, which is a sort of layering collage of papers of varying textures and dimensions. Most of Ayon's works are black and white and feature animals such as snakes, fish, and goats, in addition to the Abakua and Christian religious imagery. Now, a lot of those animals are actually central to many of the Abakua myths. Um, obviously, I'm not an expert on it by any means, so if I get something wrong, please let me know. Um, and it's important, I think, to recognize that she's practicing in a time in Cuba that's still under the dictatorship. So a lot of art materials are rare or hard to find. They're very expensive. And so if you've ever seen her work in person, you'll see like there's like all these beautiful textures. And um, I know she had her and other artists like her had to get really creative in the materials they were using to find those those beautiful textures, rich pigments, things like that. So a lot of the works that come out of Cuba in this period are very like I hate to say unique, but definitely unique and resourceful, I think is probably the best word for it. Um, there were some really lovely videos that I saw about like where she was talking about her work and her process, and I'll talk about that more in the next part of this, but I think that's something really neat to look at. So, yeah. And anyway, back on track. New note system this time, so hopefully it's a little bit more cohesive. Um, and one of the articles I found states that Ayon was allowed to visit the meetings of the Abakua, which is a privilege that no other woman had been afforded. And I wasn't able to find why they let her in. I know that she was interested in the myths since she was in like high school, which is something super unique. Like she's, you know, in her teens. So how was she getting access to this? Like who did she know that was in the Abakua society? Like, was it a family member? Was it, like, people that she was around? Um, so that was, like, something that I wasn't able to find. But if you do know, or maybe you think that you might know somebody who knows, let me know. And I think it would be a nice addition to it, or to this conversation about her. And anyway, back to, back to Ayon. Her primary interest from the Abakua was the exposure, or sorry, sorry, her primary interest from this exposure to the secret society centered around the myth of the woman Sikan. And in this myth, like, eventually, like, Sikan becomes sacrificed or murdered. It, I wasn't quite 
um, sure about it. The wording was a bit difficult because in some it seemed like she was sacrificed where in others it seemed like she was murdered but I'm going to pause and I'm going to pull up a lovely quote by Ayon herself so her quote begins I aspire above all to give my vision my points of view as observer presenting in a synthesized form the aesthetic plastic and poetic aspects I discovered in Abakua persistently relating them to the nature of man with vivid personalities, with feeling which sometimes gri grips us, feelings we don't know how to define, with these fugitive emotions, with the spiritual. I incorporate into my work symbols from other cultures to express my ideas with better richness and clarity. I incorporate into my work personalities like the Leopard Man, a figure identified with imposing power and aggression, a macho who sacrificed Sikan, the woman who discovered the secret of Abakua, and dies at the hands of the men at the altar so that the secret would remain among them and not disappear. The secret consisted of a voice, the sacred voice, produced by the fish discovered by Sikan coming back from the river. The fish was the reincarnation of old Obon Tanze, from Abasi, the supreme god. The transmission of the sacred voice was finally transmitted to the skin of a goat, a skin which vibrated on the sacred drum Ekue. My images are realized in the form of calligraphy, an engraving technique that consists of a type of printed collage formed from a wide variety of materials arranged and pasted on a cardboard support. The image of Sikan is evident in all these works because she, like me, lived and lives through me in restlessness, looking insistently for a way out. End quote. So that's an interesting, like, I guess, dive into the artist's mind. Um, we don't, like, I mean, we have a lot of other artist quotes like that, but I think it's always nice when you have that pairing of, like, what the artist is trying to do, what we're actually seeing, and then how other scholars have interpreted their works. Um, so I always love detailed quotes like that. But Ayon ultimately, like, pays more attention to the mythical figures rather than the ritual aspects of the abakua, which is rather important because in the society itself, ritual is central. So the fact that she's depicting, like, the figures as opposed to, like, this maybe, like, more of a step-by-step -step process, like you might see in other works. I'm Nothing is coming to mind, I'll be honest. But um, let me pause again and I'll pull up one of her works and we can kind of talk about it. Okay, so I am looking at her work, La Familia of 1991. It's a calligraph like most of her other works. And in the image, there is a figure seated, most likely Sikan, and the figure is almost entirely black. It's a little bit hard to tell in this reproduction. Um, you can tell that the photography itself was not that great and it didn't pick up a lot of the details that you'll see if you actually see her works in person. Um, so standing next to the seated figure, there's a white male figure who has his arm on the chair that Sikan is sitting in. Um, Around the figure's neck is a black snake and its tail is actually touching this sort of either snake scale or fish scale pattern that is on the, the upholstery of the chair that Sikan is sitting in. 
and to the well to our left um i guess it would be the figure's right the male figure and a just like seated on top of the chair like kind of perched is a chicken or a rooster and then below Sikan's feet kind of like resting behind her feet is a goat so again Sikan is uh, seated in this chair um, I'm also noticing she has a cro a crucifix hanging around her neck and it looks like there might be some sort of like possible flower or like some sort of natural element like on her waist it's a little again it's a little hard to tell in this reproduction and i don't know if i saw this one in person i tried to look back through my own pictures and i couldn't find anything um but yeah so it's it's i i don't want to say it's a flat scene but i think just given the like the type of um technique she's using it looks a little flattened but she does some really beautiful shading so there is some sort of depth, but it's definitely, you can see how it's layered, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, the eyes on Sikan are pretty much all white. It almost looks like a ghostly figure since the majority of her body is black. Whereas on the male figure, um, the eyes are very black and the figure is, like like I said before, it's it's nearly all white and so it's this lovely contrast between the figures, their features, if any, um, and then the animals that are, that are by them. So, yeah, this is, I mean, it's quite, I guess, typical of her work from what I've read and from what I've experienced on my own, where she has the natural elements, she's blending the abakua with Christian symbols, um, which is really interesting because I know that, like, all I can think of in my own like background of Christian art history is the goat is usually the sign of the devil. So I'm curious as to like what the relation is there to the Abakua and how the presence of the crucifix versus the goat maybe create like a tension or you know like what's the symbolic and significance of the goat in the Abakua. Um, and then, of course, if there's the rooster, the snake, of course, in a lot of cultures, the snake is some sort of temptation or it's, like, evil. Um, like I said, I'm not quite sure what it means to the abakua. I haven't been able to find that. Um, if you do know, let me know. <laughs> I will be happy to make the correction. But, yeah, it's this, it's a quite lovely work. Um, very dark and, yeah, um... So I did find another article by Ana Belen Martin Sevillano, and she suggests that Ayon's representation of Sikan is actually an alter ego to the artist. Um, so it would be like Ayon's alter ego, and it allowed the artist to care, um, sorry, the character to channel her own experiences, meaning the artist's own experiences. And that's super interesting because I've, from, I guess, like, the class discussions that I had, there was this conversation that was frequently brought up about, is this a feminist take on the Abakua, an all-male society? I mean, you have this female artist who is going into this space where she would be considered an other, much like Sikan is considered an other in, like, the society because she was, you know, ultimately sacrificed. I know in Sikan, or not Sikan, in, uh, 
Martin Saviano's article, she really talks about like the juxtaposition, juxtaposition, or rather parallel, I should say, that's a better word, yeah, parallel between Sikan and the Virgin Mary. Um, she goes more into depth, like how Sikan was like, you can see in some of them, she has, she's pregnant and you can see the womb. Um, and then of course, you know, like with the Virgin Mary and Christ and this presence at the crucifix and a lot of um, Ion's works. And I don't know, like I'm, I'm of course intrigued, which is why I thought that Ion would be a great artist to talk about. But um, yeah, let me, let me pull back. So Sikan as the quote other, as much like Ayon as the other to the society, to society. So like her gender, you know, like, of course, you know, we have those damn patriarchy. <laughs> and then, of course, Ayon would have been an other in Cuban society because of her race. And, of course, then you have this intersectionality for the artist of race and gender. So going back to, like, what... Um, Martin Siviano is, is talking about a lot in her article. There's this, like, if, if it is an alter ego, then it's, again, like she says, like, this way to express, like, Ion's own, like, troubles. So if you don't know much about uh, Cuban race culture, I don't know if that's the right word, way to say it, but if you know about, like, like, racial differences in Cuba, there's a lot of, um, negativity towards Afro-Cubans and this has been of course since Spanish colonization um, they brought slaves or enslaved people to Cuba and I don't think that they had I don't think that um, Afro-Cubans were freed from slave or enslavement until like 1899 like just before Cuban independence or just at Cuban independence and a lot of those early artists and of course early like governments were not kind to Afro-Cubans and even today it's it's not kind um there's a lot of of course like prejudice towards people who have African descent or are African descent and yeah definitely I guess maybe a conversation for the next part of this episode. Um, so yeah, she's, um, Ion is pulling a lot from like the Byzantine style of Christian um, art, I should have specified earlier. But yeah, so I know I'm at like the 19 minute mark. I'm gonna go ahead and stop it here. And if you felt like it was awkward, let me know. I feel like it might be a little bit awkward, I'm not gonna lie. So I'm trying out this new two-part thing. We'll see if it works the next, I guess, two weeks from now. But I did want to give a heads up for an upcoming episode. One of my former classmates and I are going to be talking about the animated series Onyx Equinox. And if you have watched it, please send in some questions that you would like us to answer. Or if you haven't, it's an animated series about Mesoamerica, specifically like the Aztec and Maya. And basically like this one kid, he gets saved by the gods and 
yeah, it's really interesting. It's free on Crunchyroll. I'm trying to get through... We're going to talk about the first six episodes. So if you really like it, you can keep watching. If not, maybe you might want to just, I don't know, see how you like it and send us in questions or things you might want us to talk about. I know we're going to try and do, of course, an art historical perspective on... Um, this <laughs> this animated series it it's really neat i've only watched like the first episode or two and it's it's pretty neat i've taken quite a bit of notes and very excited to talk about it so yeah i'm gonna say this this time and then like uh, again for the next episode that i put out so yeah go ahead and watch that if you want to i guess be in tune with the conversation send me an email or send me an email with your questions you can send it to artwatchpodcast at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter at artwatchpodcast. If you aren't already following me on Instagram and Twitter, you should do that. I post some really cool things this week. I haven't really done anything. I'm not going to lie. But again, that was that was mainly due to the family emergency. Um, so yeah, I have different themed days. Mondays are memed Mondays. Tuesday is Texture Tuesday. Wednesday, of course, our Art Watch Wednesday. Um, Thursday is going to be Theory Thursday of theories coming from Latin American art history or related to Latin American art history. And then Friday, Figurative Friday, works that have figures in them. Saturday, Sculpture Saturday. I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. Send us in some cool sculptures. And then Sunday, we're going to hop on the Selfie Sunday train, but it's going to be Museum Edition. So some of your best museum selfies. Um, Yeah, and then now it's time for the episode patron shout-out. So, of course, if you become a member at, or a patron at the $6 level and above, I believe, you will get a shout out on every single episode. And so right now I have one patron and that is Caitlin D. Thank you so much for being a patron of Artwatch. I greatly appreciate it. If you think you might want to be a patron, I'm going to send a, put a link down in the bio and um, it is patreon.com slash artwatchpodcast. So check it out. There's some really cool benefits to it. I'm going to have a merch website slash actual website up pretty soon. Um, So yeah, you'll have some really cool stuff to look forward to. And for patrons, there are some actual like individual perks. You'll get merch at certain levels, discounts on merch at other levels, And yeah, there's some really cool things, so check it out. Thank you so much again to Caitlin for being my very first patron. I greatly appreciate it. Um, Yeah, I hope you have a great week, and I will talk to you next time.